providing real solutions for real business challenges. Welcome to FNF Unplugged, Season 4. Conversations with professionals across the country, exploring business topics and empowering personal growth in real estate, financial services, and the title insurance industry. Well, thanks to everyone for joining us here today for another installment of FNF Unplugged. And uh, we do get uh, comments and questions uh, from our listeners. And one comment that we have gotten is, why don't you talk more about commercial real estate or even some? And it's quite often difficult, I find, to find someone who is, um, I'll use the term neutral. That is to say, they base it on facts and figures versus uh, what uh, they may like to see in regard to the commercial real estate market. But really happy and honored to have here today, uh, Jamie Woodwell. Jamie is the uh, vice president and head of commercial real estate research at uh, the Mortgage Bankers Association. And Jamie, thanks so much for joining us here today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really, really excited to be here. And we're happy to have you. And a common question we ask people uh, when we begin these discussions, you know, how did you really get into this line of work? Because, uh, again, I don't think your first grade teacher probably asked you what you wanted to do. And you said, well, I'd like to be an economist and researcher in the commercial multifamily mortgage market. That's that's right. I actually, I did come home from college at one point, told my grandmother that I, I was studying economics and computer science. And she said to me, why don't you study something useful like geography? And so uh, <laughs> that was, I think, before I then took her advice and went back to get a master's in urban planning. But it's funny, I was just having a conversation with someone uh, two nights ago about this same type of thing and the fact that so many people get into this four and a half trillion dollar industry through sort of circuitous um, means. I ended up going to grad school for urban planning, came out, was an urban planner for a couple of years, focused on a variety of things, but including affordable housing. Then went to work at the National League of Cities, managing their research, then went on to a commercial multifamily mortgage banking firm. From that, I went to a dot-com. From that, I went to um, Fannie Mae. From that, I came over to uh, to the MBA. So it's been a circuitous route, a fair amount of work in real estate, in economics, associations, but um, but really all, all meaning that where I sit right now, I just, I love the perch and I love getting to to do the things I get to do. Well, that sounds great. And yes, so many of our guests, yeah, it's one step at a time. And suddenly, suddenly here you are. So to sort of jump into things here, because there's been a lot written recently about the condition of the commercial real estate market and, and what it means for commercial real estate lenders. And for our listeners who are in the title and settlement space, because obviously when it, uh, whether it's transactional uh, and there's uh, purchase business and refinance business, or if there's delinquency and default, it's all roles that uh, title and settlement play. Can you give us an overview of the market that you see it? And, and obviously it's not megalithic, is it? I mean, the, the difference between a, a three unit strip mall, you know, here in Cincinnati and a 70 story office building in Manhattan, uh, it's a little different. So can you tell us about what the market is like and what sectors in the market might be in peril and what might not be? That's the four and a half trillion dollar question right now, right? When we look at the commercial real estate debt markets. And to your point, there's four and a half trillion dollars of commercial and multifamily mortgage debt. It's over a variety of different property types, you know, a gazillion markets, so many individual properties. So it is definitely not monolithic. When we're trying to sort of understand what's happening right now in commercial real estate, what's really 
hit home is that commercial real estate isn't really one market. When you're trying to understand what's happening today, it's really three different markets. And it's the intersection of those three markets that that you have to sort of figure out. Um, so the first of those three markets is the space markets and just supply and demand for different types of commercial real estate space, whether that be office, um, apartments, retail, etc. The second of the three markets would be the equity markets and sort of where are investors? Are they risk on, risk off? Are they, uh, what are their alternative investments? Therefore, what are cap rates? What are values? And so the, that's really a key driver of what's happening in the markets. And then there are the debt markets. And commercial real estate is very capital intensive. So where are interest rates? What's the availability of debt? Are underwriting terms loosening or tightening? And sometimes something will happen in one of those three markets, either the space markets or the equity markets or the debt markets that'll sort of throw us for a bit of a loop. And lately we've had big changes and some uncertainty in all three of those markets at once. You know, what's going on in space markets? If, if you haven't read an article about the office market in the last week, you're probably living under a rock. Um, where our values is a big question right now that's leading a lot of people to stay on the sidelines. And then the volatility in interest rates has also been a challenge. So, so what we're seeing is that individual actors in the market have to really do sort of three-dimensional chess on every asset to try and understand where it sits today versus where it might have sat two, five, ten years ago based on those changes in, in what we're seeing there. Does that make some sense? It absolutely does. You know, in that same regard, and talking about markets, geographic markets, again, a lot is written about New York, but a lot of other areas, I mean, in the South, it's a real different dynamic, is it, in different geographic areas? I think that's spot on. And so, you know, the debt markets are sort of national in scope, right? When interest rates rise, um, when the Fed raises interest rates in New York, they also raise them in San Francisco or San Antonio or Pittsburgh. But those base markets very much location, 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 and not just between markets, but then within them as well. So what you might be seeing for office in San Francisco, downtown San Francisco, is going to be very different than what you're seeing in office in suburban San Antonio or in West Palm Beach. So different dynamics there. And given some of the changes that we've seen in people's behavior, you know, within the markets, we're seeing really significant impact. So going back to that sort of the, the topic that people can't stop talking about of the office markets. If you look in sort of downtown CBD, very office centric neighborhoods, you're seeing very different set of activities and behaviors and traffic flows. than if you look at more neighborhood centric office sort of in suburbs or edge cities or that sort of thing. So it's always been the case that each deal and each property is going to behave differently than another one. But I think that's up to 11 now in terms of the volume scale uh, compared to where it's typically been. Well, well, and you mentioned, you know, so much is written about the office space issue. And um, uh, and it certainly has that that dynamic has changed across the United States. COVID changed part of that and then just or accelerated, perhaps. And again, a lot of it's focused on the New York City market, because, of course, that's where there's an awful lot of very big buildings, perhaps as many very big buildings as there are in numerous other major cities combined. There's a lot of talk about conversion of those properties to other uses. 
Uh, we've seen that, I think, in shopping centers, which have been dying a slow death over the last few years. And here in Cincinnati, um, our old uh, skyscraper that was built in the 1930s, which is still reinforced concrete. I don't know how they're going to do this exactly, but they're talking about converting it from office space to residential space. What are you seeing in regard to that? You know, is there is there a trend in that? Does that show also in some of the data that you've got? Yeah, it's a tough thing to track, but a number of firms have been taking close looks at that. And I think one is it happens, right? So there's absolutely is conversion of office space to apartments or other uses. Two blocks from my home, I'm seeing some pretty significant occasions of that. Uh, So it's, it's something that happens. And you sort of think about it, it depends on a number of factors, but it depends on that the use of that property being higher and better as an apartment than as an office, and that that has changed in some period of time. And we're seeing the dynamics favor that, that, uh, that, that more, we're seeing lots of housing demand and we're seeing less office demand. And so it makes sense that there can be a number of properties where that residential use becomes the higher and better use than the office. It takes some doing though. Um, and the doing depends on some local factors of zoning, et cetera, as well as physical factors of the property. It's seldom the case that you can just change the sign on the front from office to apartments and you're good to go. So there's got to be work involved. And I think what we're seeing more and more is that the amount of work is the key determinant there. And at the very least, you need to go in and change the plumbing and the layout. Increasing, depending on the structure, you might need to go in and do a whole lot more physical work than that, up to the point of essentially raising the building and rebuilding a new structure that's more conducive to um, to residential with more windows, et cetera. So uh, that the level of work that has to go into transitioning that property ends up being a key determinant. And the cost of then doing that or become the toggle for whether a developer, whether it makes sense for a developer to do that. So I don't think there's an expectation that conversions of office to apartment will either eliminate all the excess office or provide all the needed housing that we need. It's going to be something probably on the edge and of both of those activities. Well, and say a lot's been written recently about the Flatiron Building in New York and um, converting that to uh, condos and hotel rooms. And all I can say is it must be tough to dust in the corners of that <laughs> uh, if you're going to convert that over. And talk about, you know, just, you know, the, the amount of money that's outstanding. At, at MBA Tech, I got to hear Michael Frantoni from MBA, our economist. He discussed the significant amount of commercial financing that comes to maturity and, and or will need to be refinanced or restructured in the next two to three years. What does that number look like? And what are those particular challenges that we're looking at right now? Obviously, the rate market is very different from what it was two years ago. And are we at a tipping point of some sort? Yeah, four and a half trillion dollars of that debt is out there. Of that, about 16% matures this year. And just sort of taking a step back, commercial mortgages tend to be shorter term in nature, that the elements of investing in commercial real estate and lending on commercial real estate mean that you tend not to have fully amortizing loans. So there will be a balloon somewhere along the way for for the vast majority of commercial real estate loans. When you look at what's coming due in 2023, it's about 16% of that, $4.5 trillion. So 
not a huge slug, but also not an insignificant slug. So if we've got about 16% coming due this year, it then tracks down a little bit in future years, but it varies significantly. So by property type, there's less than 10% of multifamily loans are coming due this year, but more than 20% of office. If you look by capital source, you know, less than 2% of the loans made by Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA are coming due this year, less than 7% of the loans made by life companies, but then more than 20% of the loans held by banks or in the CMBS market or by investor-driven lenders. So the loans that are coming due this year are more likely to have been made more recently, which means they haven't seen quite as much appreciation. They haven't seen, they probably were made at lower interest rates. So they are, of all the loans that are out there, they're the ones that are going to have sort of the biggest adjustment or reset to today's market in terms of where interest rates are, where values are, and where cash flows are. And to that point, too, and I'll sort of take you to the next step, where do you see the commercial mortgage-backed securities marketplace and the investor market right now? And is there the expected flight to quality in regard to commercial lending? I think what you're seeing, it's sort of interesting. If you talk to folks in the market, they're sort of working through their existing portfolios, whether they're investors or lenders or others. They're, they're looking at their existing portfolios and figuring out sort of where the challenges might be there. But then in terms of new loans, they're looking out there and they're seeing great opportunities if they can get to transactions happening. There's a bit of a log jam in the market right now where because of questions about the fundamentals of some property types, because of uncertainty around property values and because of the sort of volatility and adjustments in interest rates, just not much transaction activity is taking place. If you look at the um, second quarter of this year, sales transactions are down about two thirds from where they were last year. Last year was a very strong start to the year, but still it's a pretty significant fall off. And we're expecting originations will probably be in, in somewhere the same level. So there's just not much happening across different capital sources and property types. In terms of the flight to quality, I think what you're seeing is two things really that, well, I guess one main thing, going back to those three markets of what's going on in the space markets, in the equity markets and the debt markets, lenders, investors and others are trying to find deals that work in this reset. So given where interest rates are today, given where values may be today, and given what you expect from the space fundamentals, if deals work along those dimensions, I think you see a lot of interest from investors, lenders, others to to make those deals happen. The challenge is finding owners who get comfortable with where they think values are and where um, a potential buyer might be to make that transaction happen. So we are expecting those loan maturities to sort of prime the pump and break that log jam to sort of force some properties to come to market figure out really where values are given rates and fundamentals and other things. And once that happens, other owners and uh, purchasers will say, okay, I now understand where the market is and I'm ready to transact. To me, that's very good news, actually. <laughs> you know, com compared to the door just being closed, just you know, the money's not going to be there. And, and, and I saw today in the NBA Newslink that uh, delinquencies in commercial edged up, but not by a lot, it seemed. And again, that's across a wide spectrum, correct? Exactly right. So we saw very little change in overall delinquency rates. And when you dig into it, what you saw was not unexpectedly delinquency rates on office, on loans backed by office properties, 
that delinquency rate rose by 130 basis points. When you looked at retail, it was more, I think, like 30 basis points increase. And then for other property types, it was delinquencies were either stable or actually went down from where they were um, last quarter. So a lot of variance out there. Well, and say, and also too, I mean, not to uh, give it short shift at all, but uh, again, I know you work in multifamily and that's part of what you do at MBA. What do you see as far as that market trending through, especially through the end of the year? Because we have a lot of people, again, entitled to settlement who work in that area in particular. And of course, we we know there's a housing shortage. We know rental costs are generally going up in most places. What are you seeing in that multifamily uh, marketplace? I think you've got sort of if we use those three markets as the um, the driver on the space markets, there's we're in a shift in terms of the the multifamily space dynamics, but it still remains one of the most sought after property types out there. There's a lot of comfort with that demand that's out there and the um, the overall housing market dynamics. That being said, there's there's a lot of new construction coming online that has has slowed the rent growth and brought occupancy rates sort of down to more traditional levels from where they had been. So the really rapid rent growth that we saw last year, we're seeing that moderate considerably. But despite the fact that there's still a lot of comfort around the space markets for multifamily, it still is being impacted by the interest rate rise and volatility and questions about where property values are. So we've seen sales transactions and originations dropping for multifamily really close to or right in line with the drop-offs we've seen for a lot of other property types. We still have have a decent amount of lending taking place, but it's it's down from where it was last year, without a doubt. Do you see any uh, chance of delinquency or default in that multifamily space, or is it pretty secure, you think, because of occupancy of the properties? You know, I think one of the things that's really interesting is, is that even a year ago before, a year and a half ago, before any of the slowdown in um, the commercial and multifamily markets, we were cautioning uh, that delinquency rates were likely to go up, but mainly because they were at rock bottom lows, that we had just seen phenomenal performance from um, commercial multifamily loans. And so it would be harder to imagine them going any lower than they were. Uh, so it wouldn't be unexpected to see some upward pressure there, but um, but probably in line with what one would expect to see, again, just coming off of what were probably all-time lows. Well, it sounds like from what you're saying that we could look for probably a fair amount of commercial activity through the second half of the year and some multifamily activity, but obviously nothing that we saw last year, right? I mean, uh, that was it was a huge year as the year before that, um, but uh, you know, the business will still churn on. Is that, is that a fair statement? I think that log jam is still out there in terms of sales transactions and originations activity. Um, and your base, what the base you're comparing it to is really important. So when you think about commercial and multifamily activity, they slowed down mid-2022. So by the time we got to the fourth quarter of last year, volume was down 50% from where it had been the year earlier. So if you're comparing the second half of this year to the second half of last year, it's a lower base. And so we'll probably on a percentage basis see not as large a decline as we did for as we're seeing for the first half of this year. I don't think that means, though, that we'll necessarily be back up and running 
um, the second half of this year. That question of when the logjam breaks and when we do start to see uh, CD volume pick up, we haven't seen an answer yet, but I don't think we've really seen seen the beginnings of the pickup again. It sounds like no high cotton for a year. <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be a little while before it comes forward. Well, I just really want to thank you for joining us here today. You know, this has been hugely informative, and uh, and again, there's there's a lot of comments around the commercial space, and it runs everywhere from oh things aren't so bad to the sky is falling. So uh, you've really helped us here today. I think uh, based on facts and not conjecture really help our listeners uh, get their arms wrapped around it. Oh, total pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Jamie. And thanks to everyone for listening here today. Uh, again, enjoy another episode here of FNF Unplugged and hope everyone has a great day. If you have questions, comments, or would like us to feature a specific topic, email fnfeducation at fnf.com. Thanks for downloading FNF Unplugged, a presentation of the FNF family of companies. All rights reserved. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or any endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent, including Fidelity National Financial or its directors. Please seek legal or financial advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed in this podcast.